He's coming. He's just updating <laughs> his computer. Welcome to the Church of Mabus radio show. It's Friday night, and it's uh, 7.07 p.m. Central. Jay will be with us shortly. For some reason, his computer started updating. Uh, we got uh, Bernard Bateman here Bateman. with us. Bateman. 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 Okay, uh, and his book is Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. So, a Yale psychiatrist... Right. And what what started you on this journey of coincidences? I mean, what what was the eye opener? Uh, you don't open your eyes on the first one. Um, they kind of become a, a way of remembering. And then if you get a couple more, you kind of like say hey, there's something weird going on here that they're not telling me about. And then you get some big ones coming around and you say, if you're an academic and I am and or I'm a recovering academic, then you have to like take a look at it and see what's going on here. Uh, the, the thing that really got me into it as uh, something to study was uh, um, age 31, San Francisco, Victorian house in the Fillmore district, 11 p.m., standing at the sink, the kitchen sink, and choking. I couldn't stop choking. Something seemed to be stuck in my throat and I couldn't get it out. I hadn't eaten anything. It was all right. And then it wasn't. So I kept choking and choking and choking. And then it stopped. That's 11 p.m. San Francisco, West Coast time. The next day, my brother called me from Wilmington, Delaware, and told me that 2 a.m. Wilmington, Delaware time, my father had died, same time I was choking, and he had died bleeding into his own throat. So he choked to death on his own blood. Well, a father's death uh, affects most men uh, a lot. And it kind of makes you aware of your uh, mortality. Um, and to die in a way that I felt what he was feeling got my attention to wonder about what's going on with this? Am I the only one that has this experience? So I, I looked around. Um, what added to the um, attention getting part of it, Jeffrey, was um, that three at 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware was February 27th. Uh, and that is my birthday. So my father died on my birthday. So I took that to say, uh, son, remember me, remembering, remember me. And I'm remembering him in telling you and your audience this story. So I looked around. There's lots of data that suggests that people have experiences of the pain of a loved one who is not in the same location at a who is at, a, is at a distance from them. And that's what happened to me. It's something that is not uncommon. So I, I had to ask that question and put together um, a valid and reliable scale, this weird coincidence survey, to really ask the question, uh, how many people experience what kind of coincidences? And uh, is this one that happened between me and my father something that... Uh, happens with any regularity. 
it does happen with some regularity, I found out. So I've been I've been writing about this stuff, trying to figure it out even more since since then, which was 2006 when I put this survey together. And what have you found out found out about the different kinds of coincidences? Because I've had things like, let's say, for instance, I've wrote books before and I haven't done it in a while. And let's say I start writing my book finally after talking about it for a million years. And then you kind of notice an energy shift and like little positive things will happen. Let's say someone writes you who's a publisher suddenly or something like that. Is there different kinds? Well, that's a good one, Jeffrey. That's a good one. When you start going down a path and you can do it with some freedom and your mind opens up and your mind was open up, opening up. When you write a book, you got to like wonder, why am I doing this and where am I going to get the information I need? And so by being open like that and needing to be open because you need the information, that somehow seems to attract what you need. So one of the most common coincidences in our survey is uh, asking a question and having it answered without you having to ask. That's definitely fascinating. So it's like the, the intuition and, uh, so a lot of these stories of coincidences you gathered from your, your patients, correct? From your different no, clients? Some of them from patients, but a lot of them is from being the good student that I've always been, which is reading a lot and also recording some of mine because uh, I've had a lot of them. The reason I'm doing this is because I am a high frequency coincider. I'm a person who experiences lots of coincidences and I've gathered people together in what we call the coincidence project who are also high frequency coinciders so that we can compare notes and be amazed together about how similar some of the things we experience are. For example, you mentioned about contact perhaps with your father through signs. And the other day, uh, three people on the coincidence project independently reported experiences where it seemed like a deceased loved one was communicating with them lots of different ways. And I had one also nice. uh, part of the, uh, part of the need of our coincidence project is money right now. We've, we've just started, we're incorporated in the state of Virginia and uh, we needed some cash. So out of nowhere, meaning I didn't ask for it. We didn't put out any requests out of nowhere comes a thousand dollar check and uh, the first name on that check uh, was Anne Marie. Anne Marie was my mother's name. So I figured that after a long last of a lot of positive negative feelings about my mother and I've gotten more positive now she is joining me as my father has been for all these years in helping me get this coincidence project going. It's definitely fascinating. I've had some weird money show up before. A phone company gave me a $2,000 check, and I don't know why they did, and they didn't seem like they knew why they did. At first, I got paranoid and thought maybe it was the government, you know, because of UFO shows or something, but I don't know where it came from, So, and I paid land taxes with it. So I've had a weird thing like that happen before. That's definitely strange when it just kind of shows up like that. It's definitely a coincidence or a synchronicity. Well, one of the, one of the fun things there is... Uh, is um, I needed the money 
and I have lots of stories of people who need money and get the exact amount they amount that they need. Did you need that money? Yeah, for the land tax, definitely uh, needed it. It was back back land taxes and stuff. There's Jay McNichols, our co-host. He was updating. I guess his computer started updating, but he's here now. And uh, good to have you here, Jay. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Yeah, I've got to get a new computer. This thing is so damn slow, it's not even funny. Well, things get updated fast. And uh, well, what are some other, what when it comes to uh, Bernard uh, patterns, what are some patterns that you've seen in some of these synchronicities? Well, the most common one, or one of the most common ones probably happened to you, is you think of someone and they contact you. And it's particularly fun when that's somebody who contacts you you haven't thought about for a couple of years. And then you think about them and they're texting you uh, or they're on the phone with you or they're emailing you. Uh, that, those are a little odder ones, uh, but the, that's a basic, uh, let me say, trope of uh, coincidences that think of somebody and they contact you. So, there are, there yeah. are other ones. Uh, one of my favorites is being in the right place at the right time. Uh, that one is also one of the more popular ones. We had about 10 coincidences that we were, that seemed the people experienced and uh, these are the. This is part of. The, these are part of the top four. Uh, being in the right place at the right time. So, what's the difference? I know there's coincidences, but synchronicity is it similar? What's what? What would that be compared to coincidence? Is it the same thing? I know there's a difference, right? Well, they're different words, so it usually means something's different. Yes. Um, th this is the only book you're going to find that has both synchronicity and serendipity in it, at least as far as I know. Uh, yes. Both of them are meaningful coincidences. And I wanted to include each of them because they're both meaningful coincidences. They're different kinds. And uh, I'd like to be able to, to suggest some definitions uh, that might be helpful here to be, able to, uh, to be able to make some of these distinctions. And let's start first with the idea of a coincidence, just a plain coincidence. Um, a, coincidence, a coincidence is the remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without an apparent causal connection. Now, keep in mind the word apparent. It means that there might be. And one of the kind of paradoxical, but not really, things about coincidences, if you understand the cause, if you have an explanation then there's no longer apparent it's real. You know what the explanation is, so it's no longer a coincidence. So you, you hear a lot of people say, hey, there are no coincidences. Hey, there are no coincidences. Because those people know that they know what causes all coincidences. Now, the coincidences are so varied and so different in so many different ways. To have one cause for all of them is a little bit unlikely. In, in fact, it's not true. But some people know that randomness explains all of them. Or God or universe explains all of them, or fate. So they each have an explanation, randomness or universe, so there's no coincidence. And that's why they can say to them this. So there are no coincidences. But it's too simple. 
And I, I've come up with other potential explanations, and we can talk about them uh, as we go on. But let's talk about a meaningful coincidence. It's a little different in the sense that, yes, it's surprising, unexpected, and improbable, but it seems to have ex some kind of significance to the person experiencing the coincidence, either at the moment or looking back. And also may seem to have an explanation that the person seems to be able to have some idea about. So a meaningful coincidence means it's meaningful to the person experiencing the coincidence. It means it might be helpful to them personally somehow, and or it may suggest how reality works, may expect, may suggest an explanation to them. So that's, that's defining coincidence. Okay. 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 With that. Any, yes. Anything with that? Cause, cause, because synchronicity and serendipity fall underneath that definition. So they both are events that come together in a surprising way that could have an apparent explanation and has some kind of meaning to the person who is experiencing it. That's synchronicity and serendipity are both that. But how do they differ? Synchronicity which is a term coined by Jung, tends to be about interpersonal and psychological and spiritual things in the person's life. While serendipity is a kind of, is a happy accident. Uh, happy accidents meaning that you find something useful and you find it in an accidental way. And there it is. Um, a lot of scientific discoveries, you can talk to Nobel Prize winners, for example, or look at discoveries in uh, pharmacology and medicine. And a lot of times some guy just leaves something on the stove and the maid comes in, this is the 1800s, the maid comes in and turns the stove on and heats up this thing he's got on the, uh, on the stove. And the heating up changes something in the, the liquid he's got in there that allows him under a microscope to see the structure of a cell. He didn't turn the heat on, somebody else did. So he accidentally found something that allows people that allowed people then and still does it in more fancy ways to be able to see the internal structure of a cell. That's a big deal. Uh, a lot of drugs are found this way. Um, the, the most popular drug one of the most popular drugs in the world are is Viagra and drugs like them. And Viagra was found by accident. Some guys in England were using uh, an, a supposed antihypertensive drug that was perhaps useful for some cardiac difficulties with men only and uh, seeing if it helped heart and helped the blood pressure. And uh, lo and behold, they wanted to stop the study and the men came in and said, do not take my drug away from me. And they said, why? And they told them, helps me keep my erections. They weren't looking for that. They weren't <laughs> looking for that. What a surprise. <laughs> surprise. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> you got it. You got it. That was a happy accident. So those are the two major ones. Uh, there are two others um, that don't get as much press. Uh, one is called seriality, and seriality is 
seeing things, a bunch of the same things <coughs> repeating in different forms. But it's the same general idea, like a person I know pretty well uh, has seen uh, for decades, a decade now, monkeys in all kinds of forms. She sees them on tote bags. She sees them in books. She sees them in cartoons. She sees them in comic books. She sees them in commercials. She sees monkeys, 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 and they are always teaching her something, she says. So this is a string of a, or a series of the same objective event that becomes known as seriality. And a final one is a term I coined uh, called simulpathity. And simulpathity is what happened between me and my father, the, that I experienced his difficulties at a distance from him, the experience of the pain or distress of a loved one at a distance. So we have four meaningful coincidences, synchronicity, serendipity, seriality, and simulpathity. I've been reading your book and enjoying it, and it's definitely going, it's, it's just reading it seems like it can bring on coincidences. It's going down the rabbit hole for sure. I know you used the spiral on it. What, what was the meaning of the spiral for you on the cover? Uh, well, well that, that spiral is the golden spiral. Um, and uh, it's, it's the frame for a, a lot of things in nature as well as for buildings. There's something beautiful about the golden spiral. Uh, it's related to fractals. Uh, but that spiral appeared there ac accidentally there, Jeffrey. It's like uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't do it. Hey, your, your Honor, I didn't do it. <laughs> the, the, the other guys did it, the people at the publishing company. They did it. I didn't do it. So how did it happen? Well, I wanted them to have a cover that had a spiral galaxy in the sky and a nautilus shell or a, a certain kind of snail shell in the in the ground with uh, uh, mountains and, and earth and sky as the background. So a spiral galaxy up and a snail spiral down. And I wanted to have it be um, as above, so below. It was that kind of idea I was trying to communicate. Well, they thought, and I, I guess I could, I guess I understand it, but they thought that that would look like a biology book. <laughs> so, so I said, well, well, really? Okay. So mm -hmm. the people putting the, putting the, the graphics together on that thing came up with a spiral galaxy and it turned out to be a very good choice. Uh, I That's think. good. I yeah, like thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks. It's a very peaceful cover, that's for sure. Oh, thank I like you. it. Thank Not too stars. Oh, I, I, I do have a question for you to kind of differentiate between serendipity and synchronicity. And this is the example I came up with is for serendipity, you go into the closet and you put on a jacket you haven't worn in years, even though and it still fits. And then as you're rifling through the pockets, you find a $100 bill. That's serendipity. Synchronicity is you go into the closet, you find that same jacket you haven't worn in years, and you don't expect to see it anywhere else. Then you go out, and the people you meet with, someone else is wearing that exact jacket. That's synchronicity. Does that kind of 
help define the two words a little better? It does. It does. It does. And, uh, and the nice thing about the, the, two, the jacket thing um, is uh, it illustrates uh, a fundamental aspect of synchronicity. Uh, that is, your environment mirrors your mind a lot, or in this case, mirrored what you were wearing. So when, what you're thinking, as Jeff was talking about, he was writing a book, he needed ideas, he needed publishers, he needed things. The external world mirrored the internal world. And that's a fundamentally important aspect that synchronicity brings to modern science. Because if you believe that what you're thinking gets matched in your environment, and you don't have to believe this. This is not something you have to, well, I believe for every drop of rain that falls. You don't have to do that. You can experience it. I think of somebody and they call me. When you, these are mind mirrors. So what that should tell anyone who experiences them is that our minds are not as separate from our environment as we are being told by modern science. It's a lie, really. We are not islands. We are much more connected with our environment and other people than we are allowed to think. So you think there's there's some sort of like it, let's say I think of someone I haven't thought of in years, and then they, they contact me a couple of days later. You think there's some sort of signal that, that they're picking up from my brain to their brain that they that, that makes them contact me? It's, tele it's telepathy. Is it? Okay. It's yeah. telepathy. But we, but we have, <laughs> well, we don't have signals like that, ladies and gentlemen. We have shown that you can't send signals like that uh, that fast. It's not really faster than the speed of light. Light is pretty fast at 186,000 miles per second. That's pretty fast. But at Faraday cages down at the bottom of the ocean trying to have uh, information sent telepathically and it doesn't go across. But I think we have yet to come up with a good model for telepathy. I think I have one. I try to write it, write about it in the book. So I think there are ways in which what you call the signal uh, and a friend of mine called uh, trying to get her boyfriend to come back. She called it uh, sending out smoke signals to him, yeah. trying to get him to come back. And he did. And then I met him and I said, what do you do with this guy? He, he's controlling everything you do. But I didn't say that. But anyway, she got him back. They're getting married. But she sent out smoke signals after they had broken up and he's back. And we do send out signals. We're able to do that. The evidence is too clear. The question is, how does that happen? And it, it, it could work in reverse. So if there's someone you do not want to get back in contact with, if you think, please don't call me and don't ever want to see you again, blah, 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 they think that they would get that as well and not contact you. Well, it encourages some of them to make the contact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the messages are not always interpreted the way we want them to. Mm -hmm. I just uh, told somebody that I've known for a long time, don't email me anymore because I feel her thinking about me out there and I don't want her to do that. And I, I don't know that that's going to work because she's going to still want to make some contact with me if, I, if past performance is any predictor of future performance. Yeah, I think we often find in one of the TV shows I watched recently, they... Um... One of the recurring phrases in it is 
it's a, it's a show called Stargate SG One, and there's a there's an elder race of people that deal with us humans as a younger race of non technological beings, and they they say that often the young do not do as they're told. So <laughs> I think that's that's probably what's the, what the problem is with that. But I mean, it, it seems that it has to be a two way street. If you, like I said, if you think of someone and they contact you, you were wanting to talk to them. But if you think of someone you don't want to talk about, you would expect and hope that they don't contact you. But it's, it's kind of hit or miss. You're saying. I, I'm saying that yeah, I, I think that's mostly right. But I don't. I, how consciously either one of those people we're communicating with uh, registers the thought we have is a question that uh, I, I kind of think varies in, in its answer. But there's another mm-hmm. aspect to like thinking of someone and they call you. It could be that you pick up them thinking about you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't all, hey, Jay, it ain't all about you. Have you ever heard that one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not always about you. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I've heard that enough now, so I can say it to other people. <laughs> it, it ain't all about you. And I've had to learn that one. <laughs> I'm still learning that one. It, the, coinc- the problem with coincidence is one of the problems is it makes it all about you. It appears to be all about you. So when there are two people involved, you got to wonder about the other person's involvement with it. You have to ask. Does this mean the same thing to you as it means to me? And this is particularly, let me say, for me, fun when it doesn't happen to me, but it's like fun to talk about, is that one of the most compelling kind of coincidence is romance coincidences. You meet somebody who you hear across a crowded room and somehow you'll know you'll see her again and you come together and you're romantic under the moonlight and the feeling and the song that they're playing is her favorite song and your favorite song and you find these other links between the two of you and I sing songs like that. Uh, Those are romance songs from the 50s and the 40s and those are beautiful experiences. Those are beautiful experiences. Sometimes they don't work out the way it seems like they're going to. Mm-hmm. And those, that's the most, I have a psychology today blog called connecting with coincidence. And that one about, does it mean it's meant to be? That's the most popular one there. People want to know, does this coincidence between you and me, this romance coincidence mean that we are going to be locked into this thing forever. And it doesn't mean that. And I've talked with people who have had wonderful coincidences like I was dramatically trying to describe, but they didn't talk about their relationship. Sorry, guys. You got to like, I'm sorry. You got to work on the relationship. You got to do that. Oh, Yeah, you can't just expect it to work itself out. That's, um, what, that's what they expect. <laughs> that's what they expect. So I, I got a good question for you, and, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with the work of John Mack. Um, I'm just but, reading a chapter by him and Alan uh, Steinberg's Stein, Stein, Steinberg, Stein, yeah, that's right, that's right. Seinfeld, Seinfeld's book. I mean, it's <laughs> that that John Mack chapter in there is so wonderful. And I, of course, heard a lot about him. One of the 
one of the stories that maybe you haven't heard, but when he was hit by a car in London crossing, trying to cross the street, um, somebody who knew him pretty well was in St. Petersburg and saw somebody who looked like John Mack getting hit by a car around the same time John Mack did. That's one of, that's a, I pay attention to coincidences like yeah. that. So what do you want to talk about with John Mack? Well, okay, so he, I, I forget the gentleman who he took over for at, was it Boston University? Um, Harvard, my friend. Harvard, Harvard yeah. Harvard, uh, Harvard. He, he took over as the, the, the psychology chair and psychiatry um, chair, psychiatry chair. And he started taking um, the same work, looking at the abduction phenomenon through uh, like Betty and Barney Hill and, and others that have had uh, alien abduction phenomenon happen to them. And he, he came into it as being a, a sort of a non-believer. So he, he was of the, the mindset that it, there's some causality. There's some, you know, there's some pathology that makes these people have these strange experiences. And then as he's gone through the research, he had flipped around. He's become to the point point where it's just like within your book. It's it's not a coincidence. It can't be a coincidence. It, there's a there's a, an actual reality to it. And he's now I mean, he's, he's I think he's since passed, but he became a believer in the fact that there must be an alien source to all these stories. And I was wondering how you feel about his his involvement in that and his transformation from being non-believer to being a believer with those coincidences that are not are not coincidences. Well, the tra the transformation that he writes about from believing in in scientism, materialistic science scientism, is what this chapter tended to be about. What UFOs had done for him, what abductions had done for him, and it was very hard to change his own perspective on the way he knew things were, because that's how he was trained. But he gathered lots of data from people he believed, patients. And the stories they told seemed as convincing as my wife just uh, walked out on me. They, they, they seemed real to him. And part of what I have to do, and he has to do as a psychiatrist, is judge when somebody's being crazy and when they're not, what's reality and what isn't. And since you hear a lot of stories that seem to match up as I have psychopharmacologically, this one, this, this, for example, codeine for depression. Well, when I was saw three patients who seemed to get better with codeine given by their dentist uh, when they were depressed, I had to pay attention to that. And that I just made it seem like there was something there. When you see a string like that, that becomes a potential source of information. And that's what John Mack did. He was being a good clinician. He was listening, gathering information, and drawing conclusion. A bunch of anecdotes is data. He had lots of anecdotes, and that became a lot of data. So he started changing his mind about it. Now, it's important for our discussion for you to know that I do not claim to have UFO understanding or knowledge. I'm, I, I'm, I've interviewed a couple of UFO guys on my podcast. Uh, Alan Steinfeld is going to be on my show uh, next month, uh, and we'll talk more about it. It's a wonderful book he has, uh, uh, Making Contact, um, with John Mack's story in there. To me, the most important thing John Mack did in there was talk about the problem in getting people to believe what he was experiencing. 
and that requires a major shift in people's view of reality. And I'm trying to do the same thing with meaningful coincidences. Uh, abductions don't happen to as many people as meaningful coincidences do. Mm -hmm. I'm like a populist when it comes to this. I, I ain't like a, a relatively small group. I'm saying, hey, everybody, <laughs> pay attention. You, you've got these weird things happening to you. Uh, pay attention to them because they're potentially useful and particularly useful in helping us understand how we have to rethink the nature of reality. Yeah, I have to agree with you, the fact that the coincidence has happened to probably everybody, um, but the abduction phenomenon only happens to a select few. Um, but it seems like uh, it's it's a type of uh, it's it's the type of thing that uh, coincidence. I don't know that you really can get. And maybe you can t tell me if I'm wrong or not. I don't know that you can get enough scientific data to prove coincidence is is you know there's an actual causality to it. But with the abduction phenomenon, you get people that are disconnected from all over the world telling the same story. So there must be a causality. With coincidence, how can you get you know data that says there's there's a cause that why these things are happening? Man, that's a that is, that's a question that's so very important in all this, Jay. Um, uh, first, I will suggest to you. Uh, and this is from a friend of mine, that abductions have been happening before this century, uh, that uh, little gremlins were abducting, abducting people uh, and doing weird things to them, according to people who had been studying this uh, in the 60s. You may know the names better than I do. Mm -hmm. So the, the abduction phenomenon seems to be something that's been going on for more than just this century or this past even half a century or or so. Uh, so that happens. But just because there's abductions doesn't mean there are that you can explain it by uh, these flying saucers that's UFOs flying around out there. They seem to be related. But to make the connection, those 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 uh, grays uh, that are the robots for some of these um, apparent extraterrestrials mm -hmm. need to come down here. I mean, that Ros those Roswell guys look a lot like the greys that other people describe. I mean, you can't get away from Roswell and greys looking a lot like that. I mean, really, that must be something. And they came down in something. So the greys look like they're real things because of Roswell and other descriptions. But where they come from and how they operate in this dimension in another dimension, in both dimensions, there, there are ways of saying to us, reality is not what we think it is. And that's very, very important to know. And you can be satisfied with an explanation of UFOs. I'm not, I'm, I have this, there's more that I wanna know because I think there are a varieties of influences out there and that we're seeing them in various different forms. So as I think of with coincidences and Please recognize, I am not trying to say I have an explanation for all coincidences because you can't explain all coincidences with one thing. What I'm saying is that coincidences have multiple explanations. And what I haven't said is that we have something to do with making coincidences happen. And I wonder how much the people who are abducted 
contribute to the possibility of their being abducted. There's no way for me to know that, but I know with coincidences that there are a lot of them that we participate in making them happen, although we are not the only causal explanation. Randomness is there, mystery is there, but there is also us. And there's also stuff that's kind of in the mystery thing, like quantum is a big popular thing to explain everything that's weird. And I I don't know about that. Um, I think uh, there's also chaos theory and complexity theory, which have a little bit more uh, substance to me in trying to explain things. But this, but quantum entanglement is such a popular idea, but it's still mostly about really tiny things, particles like, um, like electrons or even or photons and how that generalizes out here is still something that i'm waiting for but these are ideas that people have to push back the mystery of meaningful coincidences they're also quantum explanations for how flying saucers go between uh dimensions so quantum is used the funny thing is that we use hard to understand theories to explain hard to understand phenomena Mm-hmm. It, it's just what it's just what we do. But I would like to make it clear that I have some idea about how many coincidences happen, but it's only an idea and it's only partial. And there are multiple variables that come in with each coincidence, but they come up with mystery, personal intent or personal involvement somehow, like Jeffrey's need uh, for money. Oh, my need for ideas and my need for money. And there's a randomness. There's probability for each one of them to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and uh, I'm someone that's had a Neil Donald Walsh conversations with God on the show. What can you tell us about signs from God? How, how is that different? Is it like a coincidence, but free the Jews from Egypt? Or is it more simpler than that? Like when it's a sign from God. When you invoke God, I can't I can't argue with you. God is a final explanation. Just like random is. You think you say tell me God it's a signal for a sign from God? Okay. I gotta say that's what that's what you think. I might have a different way of looking at it, but that's your belief. And yes. I'm not in the business of trying to change people who know what's right. And that includes people who believe God does it all and people who believe it's all random. What I've about, tried. I've tried. <laughs> what about a God wink? Is that like you think God's smiling upon you or is, is looking at you at that moment? Some favoritism, a God wink. <laughs> well, if you if you get to the, the latter part of my book, I, I try to be able to talk about how uh, some of this stuff might work that's in a kind of theoretical way. If you if you read uh, this Alan Steinfeld's book, there's a, a lot of guesses about how um, how creatures from other dimensions can walk through walls. And if they're very, very speculative, but they're interesting ideas. So physicists get to speculate about wormholes and a plus and minus charge on either side of them and say, maybe this happens. Oh, but maybe it's that way. But in the middle of all this chapter on, uh, on theories of how, how uh, UFOs uh, touch on us was a section about that. We all live in a 
field of consciousness here on earth. That we are in a field of consciousness here on earth. Now, I prefer to think about a field of consciousness. Not just, it's energy and information in this thing. I also call it uh, our, our collective mind or our mental atmosphere. And that we give information and energy to the mental atmosphere. We take from it the mental atmosphere, just the way plants and animals and us give out gases and receive gases. And I prefer to stay here on this luxurious, potentially still planet that we're destroying by our global warming and other things that we're doing. I prefer to stay here on Earth and explore the many mysteries and the wonders of what it's like to be here. We are lucky as spirits to be embodied here because we get to experience the five senses and a lot more. Uh, dance, I get to experience interpersonal energy, for example. That's one of my entertainments. So I'm saying, let's look at explanations for some weird stuff for right here, right here on Earth and what's surrounding Earth uh, between the, I call it the psychosphere, but between Earth and uh, the ionosphere. Uh, there's a cavern in which something called the Schumann resonance bounces around. And the Schumann resonance is created by, electrical, by electricity in lightning. And in this cavern, a lot of stuff happens. And this is the place I am looking for to explain telepathy and precognition and clairvoyance and stuff like that. And I noticed you got a blurb by uh, Dean Radin and Andrew Will, who have some of their stuff I've read in books and stuff. That's some pretty big ones, Dean Radin, for sure. And one thing I want to ask you is, there's, is there something in all your studies and everybody you've come across that people can do to increase coincidences? Like, is there like something that you could do to open yourself to it more? Well, you just you talked about how you got open accidentally because you were thinking about writing a book. Yes. Uh, it's how do you become open? Well, one of the things that I am trying to say with my book is these things are real. They happen to lots of people. And that should maybe make you more interested in paying attention to them. So the key thing about increasing them is to believing that they exist. I mean, believing is seeing a lot of times these days, particularly. Not seeing is believing. Believing is seeing. If you believe that there are coincidences out there that can be helpful to you, if you believe that, then you're more likely to see coincidences that can be helpful to you. As yes. simple as that is to say, it's fundamental. And a lot of people don't go for it. So you want to have more coincidences in your life, pay attention to that because they might be happening. See how they work. And then, of all the crazy things to do, is to tell somebody else about your coincidence stories. Talk to other people. Find other people who are interested. Therefore, we have something at the Coincidence Project called the Coincidence Cafe. And at the Coincidence Cafe on Zoom, every third Saturday from 11 to 1230 Eastern Time, 
we get a bunch of people together, 15, 25, 30, and we talk about coincidences with each other. When they do that, <laughs> more coincidences happen. Just like talking about reading my book, that's uh, that's going to make one me, way to do it. That's yeah. one way to do it. I mean, <laughs> you, some people are calling me the king of coincidences. I like to prefer to me think of me as as the guy with the fairy dust of coincidence awareness, spreading it around, getting people <laughs> to think about it. That's my job. Pay attention. You'll see them and talk with other people about them. Definitely. And I want to say about aliens, I've noticed that with a lot of cases, they tell everybody you're the chosen one, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> you're the chosen one. You're the chosen one. You're the chosen one. <laughs> well, you've been chosen to be abducted is what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, yeah, that, now you, th that has been a bothersome thing to me about aliens, and particularly uh, talking to guys who study them. Um, on my podcast um, and my question usually is well if they're out there and they see what we're doing to the planet what advice do they have for us to stop destroying ourselves and destroying our nest destroying our habitat uh, well don't do it is kind of the best I could get I mean it's said more clearly than that if these guys are out there doing all this kind of stuff to people why can't why can't the people come back and tell us what we can do differently or show us how we can become the human organism that we are the collective human organism where each of us has a purpose in trying to survive and help each other and make this uh, the heaven on earth that it could be have, have a good time here i want to have a good time here that's what it's for it's a playground so how and come it, how come they don't do that? There, there's right. actually a couple of uh, po possible reasons for that. Uh, first of all, when you're talking about the coincidence and, and uh, with the alien abductions, yeah, I, I think you're right. Most of the people don't wish that upon themselves. In fact, most people don't want it to happen. But why they don't interfere or give us advice how to fix the planet and not be so warlike and tribal is that uh, some people theorize that they're they're trying to help us change the atmosphere to more suit their body styles and their what would you know help them thrive on the planet and that that's you know that would suck if, basically what that is is they're trying to take the planet away from us and they're trying to help us help them by destroying our own selves so that's that's one common theory on why they don't uh, try to help us fix now, it now that's the kind of narcissism and selfishness that i can laugh about <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with it. I'm just repeating it. <laughs> well, as, as you, as you can, and, and what I heard from one UFO guy uh, who studies people who have had the experience and puts data together about them, is that they don't want to come here because we're too violent. There's that theory as well. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. my big thing with them, and I've seen some weird beings in my time a few times, things that I can't explain. Saw some small hooded beings in the woods standing around a black box with a witness. A cat jumped towards them and they vanished. But it, to me, they don't ever just sit down and tell you straight up. It's kind of like the Riddler from Batman just screwing with your head. Like, see us real quick. And it's like a weird, you know, it's weird. It's like they don't just say, hey, let's sit down and talk or whatever. It's like really like a trickster element to it. You know, there's something just off with it that I don't understand. 
I, I like that. I like that a lot because what they're doing is what John Mack was trying to do in this chapter is talk about our need to not see reality in this restricted way that scientism has made us do. And that trickster business is also a theme in coincidences that sometimes I have to, I have to say when I get some coincidence, I said, man, you're messing with me again. Coyote. It's a coyote. I mean, it's mercury. It's, it's like they're messing, they're messing. And that I can go with that as these guys trying to trick us, tricksterish us to say reality isn't what you think it is. Expand your mind about what's going on around you. I like that. A big weird UFO one I had when I first started doing this. I've been doing it for 14 years. I was having trouble getting interviews. Nobody knew who I was. I had a weird UFO sighting and I screamed like a girl outside to my brother and nephew. They came outside and saw it too. It was some weird red I called them fireflies. I don't know what they were. I don't know if it was ET. I don't know if it was a government experiment, but it was weird and it was in the sky and it was strange. The next thing you know, I started getting interviews with big personalities who I thought would never talk to me ever. Nick Pope, that dude from Britain, uh, Nick Redfern, William Burns from UFO Hunters, uh, Stanton Friedman, Lloyd Pye that has some star child skull. It's like it was connected it was weird like that was a weird et sink or something i mean i don't say it's a hundred percent but it seemed like something you know it seemed like that you know so it's weird but uh bernard uh we're, we're at the end point here it's been amazing thank you so much and what's your 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 web address and keep us in the loop on future projects and we'll definitely like to have you on again sometime it's been it's a great thing and if you want coincidences meaningful coincidences how and why synchronicity and serendipity happen check out the book and fall down the rabbit hole and let's keep in mind i have a, I'm a little, i just texted the guy i'm gonna meet so i have a little bit of time okay. uh, but let's and i'll, I'll just see what he says because he'll he's coming by um, okay let's be clear about falling down the rabbit hole one of my favorite books is uh is through the looking glass in which and 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 alice in wonderland she goes down the rabbit hole but look what happened when she went down that rabbit hole i mean it was an amazing world that she she learned about and we tend to think of rabbit holes as like crazy places no look at where she went the, the my there's a lot of people I like in there, but I learned the Jabberwock. I can sing. I made up a tune to the, the Jabberwock, which starts off "Twas brillig and the slithy toves did gyre and gimble in the wabe." So come down to the rabbit hole with me, because that rabbit hole is where reality lies. That's where there's more ideas about how things work than the way you're being told. It's it's more than that, ladies and gentlemen. Go down the rabbit hole, which is just pay attention to meaningful coincidences in your life and let them wash over you and touch you and make you wonder and make you curious and make you connect with other people and let them tell you their stories. And you're going to be able to find a world in which we are much more interconnected than we realize and a world in which there can be much more love and much more compassion than what we have now and a lot more fun. 
where we can like keep figuring out what's going on around here and we'll never figure it out because that's part of the fun of it. You never figure it out. And so something, my, something that's always bothered me about the difference between wormhole and rabbit hole because we brought, brought up both. Oh, good. It's, you know, it, the rabbit hole in the, in the Alice in Wonderland story, she enters the rabbit hole and goes to a completely different world. A, a wormhole is, you know, a worm goes into one side of the apple and then he comes out on the other side of the apple. And that's how we used to describe the Einstein-Rosen bridge in outer space. And it's like, it doesn't it doesn't work for me. It's like you went to the rabbit hole and you wind up in this place with the, the talking caterpillar and a <coughs> cat and all these weird creatures and you're in a different world. But it's not that's not how we use to describe these amazing phenomena in space where you can go from one side of the galaxy to the other. It's a wormhole, not a rabbit hole. Just Maybe that's non-synchronicity, but it just... And it has always bothered me about those two words. Oh, that's great. I, I I didn't I didn't think about the wormhole uh, the wormhole thing uh, as clearly as that. I like that because I the wormhole thing um, as an explanation for a lot of weird stuff doesn't work for me. It's like and now it, you've given me a better reason why it doesn't. Uh, it's really the yeah, same it's, apple. <laughs> it's always it's always been described as how the Einstein Rosenberg works is you take an apple and you, the worm enters on this side and then he actually exits on this side. So he's gone from if you if you consider the the apple a planet, you go from one side of the planet to the other in the most quick fashionable way. But it's that's not what an Einstein Rosenbridge is. I mean, it's 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 time travel basically. It's instantaneous from this part of the galaxy to this part of the galaxy in a in a snap. And it seems to me that the rabbit hole from the Alice in Wonderland stories is more toward that explanation because she enters in this small rabbit hole and exits in this giant world on the other side of the hole with all these weird creatures and has this adventure and then comes back through the same way. So the, the, the wormhole doesn't function for me in any scientific explanations. That's good. That's good. Uh, I, I really enjoy talking with you guys. Um, it really, really is. You're a lot of fun, and you got some good experiences, some some, some good ideas, and I, I really appreciate your being um, here with me and me being able to be here with both of you. Okay. Uh, and if we want to do this again, do you always do it Friday at eight o'clock Eastern time? <clears throat> yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's set in stone. I know that's your dance time. That's, uh, I mean, dance is the highlight of the that's week, your, man. That's your, I see Christopher walking dance. I just, it. <laughs> it just go for it. Uh, so, but so I gotta find. I gotta go to a new place because I'm dealing with you guys right now, and I'm yeah. going with this guy. So I need. I need a bodyguard going into this place. It's kind of new to be able to do it. So let me tell you what my. Let me tell you what my. Um, website is uh and uh, encourage people to come to it and you can take the weird coincidence survey to see how sensitive you are to coincidences uh and it's coincider.com c-o-n-i-c-i-d-e-r.com coincider.com and you can go there to sign up for our uh email list and if you make it clear to me that you want to come to the coincidence cafe We'll send you an invitation because uh, we're we're now ready to expand the number of people that come to that thing. We want to encourage people to tell coincidence stories. So I, I thank you both, Jay and Jeffrey, for getting me on the show. And uh, Friday eight o'clock, uh, I can do it the day after Thanksgiving. Although they're probably still going to have a <laughs> they're probably still going to have a dance. But let's keep in touch in case you change or something else works differently for me. Uh, but you're really great to talk with. So thank you very much for thank, 
thanks so you. much. It's yeah, been really you. great, and we appreciate it. I just saw uh, Gallagher die, the guy that smashes watermelons. Oh, no. Yeah. Which I, he's supposed to be a jerk in real life, but that doesn't mean he needs to die, I guess. But I, I haven't seen him in a while. But we appreciate it so much, Bernard, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yep. And please thanks, do send me. please do send me the link. All yeah, right, absolutely. definitely. I'll send you the archive. And it's cool you're into the alien thing some. I'm paying attention, baby. I'm paying attention. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. All right, everybody. You're listening to United Public Radio 107.7 FM New Orleans. And uh, let's see here. Yeah, Gallagher died. I really didn't know he's still alive. I hadn't seen him in so long. He's in 76. Uh, and, but I know everybody knows him. He used to smash melons. Well, he also had um, one of his brothers um, kind of mirrored his his act, and I forget why. Maybe he got sick for some reason. He was laid up in bed, and so his brother looks kind of like him, a little chubbier, uh, took on the act. And then um, when he when the original Gallagher came back to doing his show, they kind of split the country at the at the Mississippi. And his brother did the West Coast, and he did the East Coast, or vice versa. Um, but yeah, he was a funny, unique comic. I mean goofy looking but on top of that i mean he had audiences that would show up with you know wet weather ponchos specifically to get in the front seat so they could get smashed with the pumpkin stuff in the in the watermelon stuff and everything that he smashed at the the show <laughs> yeah that's what happens at uh gore too gore concerts yeah, i've never been <laughs> you know who gore is though don't you i've heard of the, the band yes yeah I just found a picture of Gallagher dressed as a Trumpelgooch. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to send it to you, but I don't know how to do it on here. <laughs> if you hit the present button, you can share it on the screen. Okay. Hold on. Present. Share screen. Entire. Wait. Window. It's confusing. Yeah, they changed it up a little bit. Share. There's that. Hold on. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like Augie Nost. Yeah, it looks like Augie Nost a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it looks yeah. like he found an old mat on old mop and just put it on his head. <laughs> Stop screen. Yeah, I guess that, that was him as a trumpet gooch. So what happened with these trumpet gooches this time around? I, was there a red wave? I we, don't know what happened. I don't. I didn't really keep up with it, so I don't even know what happened. I know it, it, the Santa's one still. He's a dick. Some some of the few key uh, places did win as predicted, but no, it wasn't a red wave. I mean, there were, we we me and Joe and Michael we we uh, analyzed all the results as they started coming in. Um, most of the polls stopped stopped at eight, like stopped at eight here in, in Pennsylvania. New York was at nine o'clock p.m. So the results came in kind of slow, um, but there was a time when uh, for the Pennsylvania race, because that's where I'm at, uh, John Fetterman had 86% of the vote and Oz had like 13 point something. And I predicted early in the show that Oz is going to flip that. And it's that by the end of the show, he was going to he was going to win the race, which he didn't. But what we were able to see was that there was a bit of a red wave um, th throughout the evening before we ended the show. Oz gained a lot of ground really quick. I mean, he went from 13 percent of the vote to almost 50 50 with 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 Fetterman. Is that in Pennsylvania? 
Yeah, that's Pennsylvania. And when we found that same kind of coincidence all the way across the states from the east to the west, most of the states would start in one color and then go to the other color. Most of the states started blue and then went red. But what we found was that most of the big cities voted blue. So if you if you go to this, like Google um, Google Maps, Google's um, uh, election results map, and you click on any of the states, even the blue states, you'll see that most of the outer counties are red, but the big cities went blue. And it's because of those blue cities that in those most cases, the Democrats won. Uh, the, the case with Pennsylvania, the, we, we lost the, um, Dem- the Republican seat in the Senate to Fetterman and we lost, um, we, we didn't lose, but we, we changed uh, from one Democratic governor to another. Uh, and then my county, uh, we elected, there was only one guy to uh, represent our county. He was a Republican. So we didn't have a choice between Republican and Democrat. He, he's the guy that won. So Oz is kind of creepy, though, ain't he? Wasn't there something? I saw some crazy thing about him and dogs experiments or puppy experiments, some crazy controversy, puppy gate, dog gate, something he was involved in. Then there's weird stuff about him farting in an elevator. Everybody farts in an elevator, so that doesn't surprise me one bit. He likes, to, far- he likes to fart in an elevator. Well, you know, some people like to do that. You know, I mean, you, you, everybody, you know, you have Does a group of friends. Puppies? There's always that one guy that likes to grab you by the head and fart in your face. You Does know? he torture pur- puppies? I, saw I don't think day. so. No, that that that's probably you pure propaganda. That, and there was a lot of propaganda going on between those two. Um, but just just the fact that. Uh, it was hyped up by the media as, as that there was going to be this red his wave. Opponent called really him a puppy ki- it says his opponent called him a puppy killer. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, that's more than likely just propaganda. John John Fetterman is just a thug, and he does, he he ran a thuggish campaign. He 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 can't speak in public. If you, I watched part of his uh, acceptance speech until they they cut him off for some other uh, breaking news at like one thirty in the morning. He is not articulate in, in, in any way. He's not articulate. Like, like our guest here is a doctor. He has to be able to tell people, you know, how to, you know, be how to fix himself once he finds out what's wrong with them. He has to be articulate. This guy is going to speak for the people of Pennsylvania in Washington, D.C., and he can't even say thank you to all the people that helped him win. He's completely in, in, in our inarticulate. And I, I don't know how he's going to do. I think he, he's going to he's going to wind up being replaced by his wife. Fetterman. Yeah. I just John think Fetterman. they all suck. Crap. They they all do. I mean, you know, do, does Oz have his detractors? Yeah. He moved to the state specifically to become the senator. I you know I don't see, I don't have a problem sucks. with that. Man wants to it's get like a fucking no matter game, but who you vote for for our government, you just get a crap sandwich like it doesn't like it doesn't even matter anymore it it, it really doesn't like i said what we noticed with this election across all of the states even the ones that i mean georgia started off for the whole evening as a democratic state and in the end it flipped to red and then it went back to blue and then it went to gray which is where it is now because they have to do a recount but uh certain states we expected to stay blue uh maryland is almost traditionally blue we've expected New York to stay red, it went blue. Um, but it's just the, the fact that most of the counties, most of the states, and most of the counties in most of the states voted red, voted for Republicans. 
but it's the Democrats who won because the big cities had more people in them than those other counties throughout the state. So it, it really doesn't matter how you want to vote. If you want to vote, get your guy in there, you got to get those blue cities to flip to red. And it, it's, that's across the whole country. They can all kiss my grits. Yeah, it would be nice if we could make them do what we want. But <laughs> You know what I'm going to do with our government? What's that? Be snake Pliskin. You know who Snake Pliskin yeah. is? Yeah, Escape, escape from, from New York. New York. Escape from LA. That's me. <laughs> you, need to get, you need to get some skin-tight leather jeans, though. Yeah, I'll do Snake <laughs> Pliskin. I'll pass on the skin-tight leather jeans, but... <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine sure. those would be very comfortable to be um, wearing, you know, you know. Especially if you had to fart. Well, or just run and fight and get, try to get yourself out of New York. Yeah. Kurt the, Russell, the baby, Snake Plissken. Mm -hmm. That's what we need. Snake Plissken for president. And who, who was it? Was that, was that Jeff Bridges? No. Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen him. Oh, he's in a few things. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, some Santa Claus movies. How's my sound? At first, the guest said it didn't sound that great. I was trying to figure it out. Does it sound okay? So, you sound like you're a little bit far. Maybe you need to bring your mic in a little bit. Maybe me. My voice sounds weird. No, like, it just sounds know. like you're in a box, sort of. You know, a box. Like, yeah, like there's kind of like a, a not really an echo, but it's like you're Is it talking. My AC. Can you hear my AC in the back? No. Well, it may just be me being tired and grindy like sandpaper when I talk. Yeah. <laughs> you got to do Joe's show after this? Yeah, I'm doing Joe's show after this. We're going to go back and discuss the results. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, we, we kind of expected to get, you know, some, uh, some closure with who's going to control the House and who's going to control the Senate on Tuesday, but... It's worth four days after, and it's they're still it's they're still counting in certain most of the most of the western states are still counting. Georgia's still counting. Um, they, in fact, they're going to recount in Georgia. So it's up in the air who's going to control the uh, government in the next couple of days. We got Graham Ganson in chat. Well, all hell the Trump Gooch apocalypse. Uh oh, House. <laughs> he's coming on in January. Okay, cool. There's some other people in there, but uh, let's see who's coming on. This is your last one, right? This this is my third one, yeah. What is your schedule up to right now? Because I need to make sure I get the schedule to everybody. Um, I'm not sure where my I think schedule. I've given you December. I think I, I got, got like one or two dates in December. Right now, the next time you have to be back is December sixteenth. And that's the last show of the year. That's Weird uh, Craft, that Norse guy, Matthew Ash McKernan. Yeah, I got so, that book. So, uh, Wahab was about to do three for the 18th, the 2nd, and the 9th. You come back the 16th, then we don't come back till January 6th. And I okay. think Bam comes back then. I'll send it out, but I think your next one's the 16th. God, I gotta schedule some more. I'm tired. What are you doing? I hear you clicking. Yeah, I'm trying to scroll up and see the, the schedule yeah, on the Facebook Messenger. Uh, well, we had a hurricane down here. 
Uh oh, another one. It hit, yeah, it lost power by the time it got to me, but it knocked the crap out of some people. It wasn't bad as the last one, but it's been raining nonstop. Yeah, after you get a couple of them, they you kind of get used to them. Yeah, it just depends on their strength and everything. Yeah, my the last schedule I have ends at November eighteenth. When? December November eighteenth. Yeah, November. Yeah, that's the last one I said. It's, oh, crap. And you have a question mark there, so you don't have any. You didn't have anybody scheduled then. Let me get that the last schedule and send it to everybody. Hold on. There's that. Time's going by fast, man. Going to her deaths. Downward spiral <laughs> into her dooms. What's that look yeah, I just I just sent the last three dates you had sent to me, and that's that's what I got up to the up to the eighteenth. How about the recent? <laughs> Guillermo del Toro releases at the Mountains of Madness test footage. H.P. Lovecraft movie he's going to do. It got canceled. Oh, you get wow. to watch Cabinet of Curiosities. I, I haven't yet. I, I, it's in it's in my queue to look at. I'm I'm right now going through the Stargate series. I, I finished Stargate SG One and I'm almost to the end of season four for Atlantis. And then there's one more season to go. And then I'm going to do Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. And it's, it's kind of weird that the, the shows, I like all three of them, but Stargate, SG-1 is kind of, I mean, they got some bad guys in there that are kind of quirky, but there's a lot of comedy. It's just more, it's the less serious of the three series. And then Stargate Atlantis has some much more serious, uh, really, really, really serious and malicious mm -hmm. bad guys. And then you get to Stargate Universe, and it gets even darker, and they have even worse bad guys. And then, But each one has a lesser and lesser series or seasons. So you got 10 seasons of SG-1, five seasons of Atlantis, and then three or four seasons of, of Universe. So yeah. <laughs> the darker they get, the shorter they get. <laughs> That's a lot of crap. There's a lot of uh, seasons to keep up with a bunch. Aren't they doing mm -hmm. something new with Stargate? There was a couple of things. that I, I watched a movie called Stargate Origins, which was like... Um, you know, in the movie, they have Catherine Langford. She's like the, the foreign lady that, that brings uh, James Spader's character in, into the um, Stargate program. Um, there's a story about her going through the Stargate in like the 1930s or 40s, um, which was kind of weird because it kind of canceled the canon from the TV shows and the movies. But it was OK. You know, it, it wasn't as good as the TV shows. Um, and then there's there's also there's like apparently there's a co uh, uh, animated cartoon with Stargate Universe so or not this not the seasons of universe but in that in that universe with Stargate SG one and all that so I haven't seen the cartoon I don't know it's probably gonna suck yeah I like the Stargate movie with Kurt Russell and all them but I haven't seen the show the movie was pretty good I always enjoyed the show. Was it the Richard movie, Dean Anderson in the show? Richard Dean Anderson. Richard Dean Anderson is, is in the in the TV shows. Um, he takes over as uh, 
Russell's um, character. Yeah, so it's Kurt Russell's character just shapeshifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Michael Michael Shanks there, in the TV show takes over James Spader's character. Michael Shanks. Who is Thor? Isn't there some alien named Thor? He's a gray alien. Um, the the they call themselves the Asgard. Um, <laughs> they live on a planet called Valhalla, which eventually gets destroyed. So, <laughs> yeah, they're in there. And they're grays. Are they supposed to be Norse? They're grays that had taken on the Norse uh, mythos of um, you know uh, Thor and and Loki's in there and Heimdall and a couple others. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it seems like the, the, the theme was throughout the whole series. You know, you had the Gua'uld, who were the, the bad guys from the movie. Uh, they take on, like, Egyptian and uh, later on Egyptian Aztec and some other, uh, even, like, Japanese. Like, one of them is a female called Amaterasu, who's a Japanese um, spirit god or goddess. So, yeah, it seems that uh, anybody with advanced technology fakes their god godliness to us, so we think of them more in a, on a, on a we revere them more than we would if we just saw them as an alien creature and would, would panic. And I mean, let's just let's face it: if you and I were walking in the woods, and we didn't know anything about aliens, and we walked up upon a gray alien creature, we'd probably both poop our pants and scream and run in terror the other direction. But we've since we've been researching these, probably not, but you get the idea. So are they really the Norse gods that we know, or are they just like an imitation? No, they took they took on the the um like for the the, the, the Asgards and they they look like Grey Aliens, they used technology to make themselves look like these Norse beings, which created the uh, the religion in primitive man, but they don't really give an explanation as to why they did it. I mean, just it's just to hide the aspect that they're not humans, and they're not actual gods either. That's weird. So the yeah. Egyptian ones are still in it. Um, at at the at the point of the end of us uh, SG one, they pretty much have killed off most of them. Uh, and then in Stargate Atlantis, they go, they're in a completely different universe or not universe, but different galaxy. And they're fighting, uh, these creatures that are more like, um, more like vampires. They call them the Wraith and they, they have like a, a mouth in their hand and they, they, they grab you on the chest and suck your life force out of you. Uh, so they're, they're, they're there and they're not there, but for the most part, towards the end of SG-1, the, the, the Stargate Command people had pretty much destroyed most of the bad guys. Trippy, trippy. Mm-hmm. How many seasons of that is there? There are ten seasons for SG One, five for Atlantis, and like I think it's three for Stargate Universe, but it might be four. A lot. Yeah, a lot, mm-hmm. of, yeah, a lot of shows. That. I don't know if I ever watch them. That's a lot. It, it's worth the, at least the first two are worth watching. Like I said, the Stargate universe gets pretty dark, and I mean they they kill off a lot of people throughout the three or four seasons they have. But uh, 
if if you're at all a fan of the original Star Trek TV series, you would like Stargate SG One. It's got that same kind of camaraderie. Um, there's some there's some really 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 awesome episodes. There's some pretty crappy ones. Um, but what they do is they balance it well. So like they might have a, a two or three part show or a string of shows that follow one particular storyline is pretty heavy. A lot of people die and then they'll have a couple that are just lighthearted and funny. So they, they, they keep a good balance from going through heavy subjects to, to <coughs> comical subject material. I'll check it out one year. One year. It's worth looking at. I think you would probably enjoy it very much. I know I saw something weird. I don't know if I mentioned this, but I think I might have the last show. Brian Fuller got did Hannibal's doing a Friday 13th prequel show. Yep, you told me that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just weird because they can't use adult Jason. They can only use like mentally unstable little kid Jason and his mom or whatever. Just a lot of weird stuff, but that Brian Fuller, yeah, I remember us talking about now, but I'm interested what they do do with it. Uh, it could be interesting to see. I mean, they, they kind of have to go, they kind of have to start with the mom, because she's the first killer. Yep, she was the original. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she did it because they killed him. Well, no, they didn't, he wasn't killed on purpose. What happened in the in the original movie was, as as she explains it, two guidance counselors who were supposed to be watching him went either to the barn they were doing or doing a tree or in a bush to have sex. They were being lustful. The lake lustful. and died. They were being lustful, and it led to poor Jason Voorhees' death. Mm-hmm. That's why Jason, when people are doing it, he stabs them with a spear and kills them. While that's, they're doing it, that's actually Kevin Bacon who gets the spear through the throat. Kevin Bacon, which one was he? <laughs> the first one. Okay, the first. He's one. in the first one. He, the, his girlfriend goes to the bathroom, and then he's lying on the bed, and Jason grabs him by the head, and the spear comes through his throat. That's Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> we got Corey Feldman. <laughs> was he in one. that? Which one was he he's in? He's in the one about Tommy, the little kid that shaves his head and goes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember now. Like the third or fourth one. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> yeah, he, he's like he's like makes he's a like trying to be like a makeup artist and makes himself look like Jason as a ba- as a kid to fool the yeah, big Jason. Yeah, to fool Jason, or he's it worked <laughs> temporarily. It's just weird how they're gonna do it without adult Jason. I mean, that's possible, I guess. It's just weird. You think they, I mean, they may have to change his image from using the hockey mask to something else, but, you know. Yeah, well, I don't know if he's ever going to be grown in it, killing people. It's just kind of like, it's almost like it's a prequel series. So it would end with him becoming that and just tell the story before it. Maybe end with him picking up a hockey mask and then end for good or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it, it could be good, especially if they show how he becomes what he is, because it, no one really knows. There's no real, I mean, there's some, the directors tell you what they think he is, but there's no real backstory as to how he became a supernatural, like, undead killing machine. Yeah. It's crazy. I'll check it out. 
Oh, sure. Have you seen any movies lately? No, I, I wanted to go and watch or rent um, Black Adam because one of my favorite DC superheroes is Shazam, and Black Adam is his like, you know, his kryptonite, his his, his Joker to Batman. But it's like, and you can get it. I think it's on Netflix, but it's twenty five dollars, and you have to buy it. And I'm like, I don't want to buy a digital copy of something. And then, you know, maybe some ten, two years down the road, 10 years down the road, I lose my account and I can't get back into it and I have to go buy it again for $25. No, I would like to have rented it for like $5.99, you know, or maybe, you know, $9.99 and give me three days to watch it. I don't want to buy a digital copy. If, it, if I liked it, then I'd go out and buy the DVD or the Blu-ray and put it in my, my collection. But yeah, I just wanted to see the damn movie. And it's some of these streaming, uh, streaming companies, you can watch the movie in the theater you know, for five or 10 bucks, or you can buy it for 25 or 30 bucks. And I don't, I'm not into that, but some people are. Well, it but, did, it did well at the box office, but it kind of got crappy reviews. Didn't it? it doesn't surprise know. me because they were the Shazam with, uh, what's his, what's his name? Uh, wasn't that great. Yeah, it was good. I liked it, but it didn't get great reviews. Most new movies lately kind of suck. Yeah, any way you look at them, a lot of them. Not yeah, Hollywood, it's just not doing, it's not, I mean, aside from some of the Marvel Marvel uh, cinematic universes, uh, a lot of movies just don't, they're not appealing anymore. It's boring. Yeah, they're boring. The one I'm looking forward to is that Nosferatu by the guy that did The Witch and Lighthouse. You posted but, something on that to this afternoon, didn't you? Yeah. But this, the guy that played the It Clowns in it has Nosferatu. Skarsgård, that whole Skarsgård family from Sweden. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. That's the only one I could even think of that I would care to see. Everything else kind of sucks crap. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's done, been done. Done and done and done. Yeah, done I, but I, I, don't, I don't agree with that mentality. I mean, Hollywood could come up with some pretty good original ideas if they just, you know, came up with some good original ideas. What they're doing is taking a lot of old stuff and redoing it. And it's just, you know, there's supposedly sometime, I think next year, there's a, there's a new Wizard of Oz going to come out. They're like, they're redoing like the, original Dorothy Gale story from 1939, which I, I don't know why that's that movie by itself. And it, the cool thing about the original Wizard of Oz is all the special effects are the type of special effects they would use in the theater stage stage plays. There's no digital effects. There's no, you know, it's all every special effect you see is captured in the camera. Nothing is added in later on. Like today yeah. it is. So, <laughs> but they're doing it. One person I noticed that died too is a longtime Batman voice actor, Kevin Conroy, has passed away at 66. No He's way. Dead. Kevin Conroy was like, he was the voice for like almost all the cartoons. Yeah, and the games and stuff. Yeah, the video games. Yeah. Three or four different animated series. Five or six, a he bunch died. of Batman movies, animated movies. He died pretty uh, young with cancer. 
Yeah, 66. That's that's only 10 years away from me. 66. And he croaked from cancer. He's a Master of the Universe cartoon. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. He's a good Batman. Yeah, I, I, I watched every every episode of the original animated series that he was the voice for. Yeah, that was the animated series, right? Yeah, and I think he also did the voice for um, Batman Beyond as the older Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and uh, in some Kevin Smith movie, Hosers, which I saw that a long time ago, it's kind of goofy. But uh, Mark Hamill was in the animated series as Joker. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, that's young. 60 from the big C. And Gallagher smashing melons in heaven. Yeah, so that's that's the triptych right there. <laughs> Gallagher, sure. Kevin Conroy. Who was the other one you mentioned? Uh, I don't know. Kevin Conroy. Uh, Conroy and uh, is it Conroy? Or it's Conroy? Conroy, yeah. Conroy and uh, Gallagher. That's all. I thought you'd mention someone else too today. Maybe no, I'm wrong. Just those two. That's who I've mentioned. Uh, but there may be other people. There's always somebody broken. Yeah, it seems that Hollywood famous types die in triples. Time, <laughs> yeah. especially since COVID and everything. Been bad. Mm -hmm. A good Doom movie is possible, and Annihilation proves it. What is Annihilation? I don't know. Some article I found. Doom Annihilation. That's a movie, I guess. I don't. I never saw that one. Oh, they must. Have, they must have made a, a, a sequel or a second one. The first Doom has the Rock in it, which it, it didn't suck. But it didn't get very good reviews, and it didn't go very far. Yeah, Doom Annihilation has terrible reviews, but I've heard of it. I've never watched it. I, I saw the original. I have it in my DVD collection. They did another one called Doom Annihilation. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but uh, I've seen them both. I mean, I haven't seen Annihilation. I saw the Rock one. Yeah, it was a long time ago, like in the late 80s or early 90s. Yep, The Rock. <laughs> What does that show, The Young Rock? It's like, come on, man. You're milking it, ain't you? I don't even think he's in that show. I've never watched it. It's Young Rock. About a little kid that's rock. It's like a rock creature. I guess he's trying to... Isn't, isn't there one... There was a TV show for who, something about kid... Uh, Chris, probably that's... They're doing something to... Glom in on that. Let's, let's tell us... Dwayne The Rock Johnson as a kid. <laughs> Yeah, I've never seen it, but I oh, saw Oh, here's good news. There's going to be a John Wick 4. Yeah, there's supposed to be a show. You haven't seen the John Wick show. movies? I've seen them. But they're supposed to I don't be know about the show, but they're doing, a, they're doing a fourth movie, which they're is pretty good. They're doing a TV series called The Continental or something. On, on, I don't know where it's going huh. to, but they're doing another movie and a TV show <coughs> based on the with John Wick. I like Ian McShane. That's right. Continental is like the hotel scene in that where the bad guy but not hurt each other. Yeah. I just know they're doing a, it's a prequel show called The Continental. It's on stars. 
and it's after the fourth wouldn't air until after the fourth John Wick it's just a show it's a prequel show they're doing a a Penguin prequel show for the Batman movie with Colin Farrell oh really yeah do you see the new Batman the Batman uh the new Batman movie yeah I saw it well they're doing a uh Colin Farrell penguin movie. Huh. Wow. Which is like about the rise of the penguin and everything. That's HBO. We're supposed to be doing a Arkham Asylum show. I hope they're still doing that. Like different stories from Arkham Asylum. That might be That'd pretty be interesting. Good. Well, the, the yeah. Continental is a TV show. You're right. And guess who's in it? Who? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. I bet he's. I bet he plays one of the hotel managers. Wouldn't be surprised. He plays one of the hotel managers. <laughs> that could be interesting because the John Wick movies were kind of interesting. Gibson making a comeback, he was ostracized yeah. for a little bit there in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, what did he do? Get drunk and say things about Jews to a cop or something? He, he got, yeah, he got pulled over for DWI and he said something about I don't know what he said, but something negative about Jewish people, which is kind of a bad thing to do because most of Hollywood is run by Jewish producers, so <laughs> you want to be careful about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and why is he so? I mean, Jesus is the Jew. He's a, a Jesus dude, right? Yeah, Jesus was Jewish, so yeah. So I know the Jews. Some Jews got mad that he was uh, showed them the way they showed him in Passion of the Christ or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> which I I never saw the movie, but uh, I would never have been interested in it anyway. And what passion of the Christ? Yeah, it's brutal it's, and violent, but it's good. I mean, that's, I've seen it. It's definitely like torture porn. <laughs> torture porn, yeah. Very, very violent. I saw, I saw enough of that in the new Daniel Craig James Bond movies, where they take the tip, the hole out, of, they cut a hole in the seat and hit him in the gonads with a knotted rope. That was kind of brutal. I don't I didn't see that one. Oh, it's nasty. I thought James Bond's a chick now or a black dude. Uh no, they changed um uh, uh Felix later into a, a black actor. <coughs> Ooh, CIA oh, one, of the, one of the actors? Yeah, oh, one the, of the dudes. The, Throughout the books, he's he's had a frequent contact with the CIA. He, like his his American counterpart, a guy named Felix Slater, has always been traditionally played by a white <coughs> actor. He's played by uh, a black actor, Jeffrey something or other. Who's a, I like him as an actor. He didn't made he was fantastic as uh, as Felix Slater. But they you know spoiler alert they uh, they killed him. Oh, I know they originally showed that movie is going to have a. A chick in it. I know a chick James Bond or tried to pass that off to everybody like that or something, didn't they? 
I, I don't think that's going to happen, no. There was, like, press about it or something, though. Some lady was going to be James Bond or something. I, I know that they, they did that with Doctor Who, and then the new Doctor Who is going to be a black actor. So it went from, you know, a white male to a white female and now to a black male. So we'll see that in the next uh, Doctor Who series. That's coming to Disney now. Is it? Yeah, they're rebooting it or something. It's at Disney. Yeah, well, they're not. It's been rebooted. The 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 newest series is going to have this new um, skinny little black actor from England play the Doctor. Which might be pretty well, good. You never know. I, I I didn't watch it since the, the girl over. I know uh, <clears throat> they're going to do specials with the dude that's David Tennant or whatever on Disney new ones. As the doctor, or something about him. When did David Tennant? Is that the right name? David Tennant was one of them. Um, There's so many um, I can't keep up with this crap. The guy, the guy who plays um, in in the GI Joe movies that becomes Destro. He was in. He was a Doctor Who for a couple seasons. Destro. Who's that? I don't remember. I mean, I know who Destro is, but... You didn't see the G.I. Joe movies? The first G.I. Joe movie, the guy who plays Destro, is he was one of the doctors from Doctor Who. Okay, I saw I saw the first one. <coughs> but, uh... They weren't that great. Yeah, it's been some hit or misses on it, but um, I've always been a fan of the show. Yeah, they ruin everything somehow or another. I saw that movie at the theater, I think, that G.I. Joe, a long time ago. Yeah, that was a while while back. I don't think I saw the sequel. I didn't see Snake Eyes. I didn't see Snake Eyes either. They have an actual Snake Eyes movie out. It shows his origin story. But there's there's two G.I. Joes. There's G.I. Joe and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Snake Eyes is, in, is more prominent in one than the other, but he's in both. Yeah. How did he become blind? I don't know. Do you know? Remember how he became blind or whatever? I have no idea. There, oh, there, I haven't seen the Snake Eyes movie, so maybe, maybe it explains there in the... Well, I mean, he may not actually be blind. I think he may actually only be deaf, or not deaf, mute, n- unable to speak. I always thought he's blind. I may be wrong. I was one of those dark glasses, but I don't think he's blind. He might yeah. be. I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I used to have a figure, a snake eyes figure. Mm-hmm. Is those he blind? Those small, little three-inch figures. And then I tried to put Snake Eyes, Is He Blind, and nothing came up on Bing, but Bing kind of sucks, so. Yeah, use, use Google. <laughs> uh, Bing has a joke. Takes him to the blind master. I don't know if he's blind. There's something about blind snakes. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? I that's give not, up. That's not true. Yeah, I'm not all Because he has a blind. blind master. Something about a blind kung fu master. <coughs> Which 
Now I gotta talk about all this Trump abuse stuff for how long? Three hours? Two hours? Two hours. Two hours? What is it? Well, usually with Michael Angley. Yeah, Michael Angley. Yeah. And that's coming up next. We're talking about the Trump abuse red wave. The Kool-Aid wave. Well, it didn't really have anything to do with Trump Gooch at all, but uh, there really was no the, the media, you know, said there was going to be a huge red wave, and there there wasn't. But like I said, if you watched the um, as we were doing the results and waiting for the states to come in state by state, you could see states start off red and go blue. You could see states come in start off blue and go red. So there was more of a ripple. <laughs> Than a, than a wake. <laughs> I just know those reds. That's Republicans, right? Blues, Democrat. Mm-hmm. I get it mixed up. Yep. Those reds be trying to mess with the marijuanas. Uh, well, it, it, it really depends on. Like, I think Colorado went went red, and it's it's got recreational. And no, Colorado did go blue. Um, but oh, good news though for the state of Maryland. <coughs> um, they passed the law for recreational marijuana, so that'll be going off in a few months. Maryland passed so, the law for it. Maryland passed the law for recreational marijuana. Do you have it there in Pennsylvania? Medically, but not recreationally. But Maryland is 10 minutes that way, or actually that way. <laughs> so it's completely legal in Maryland? You know, they just... They just passed the bill. Yeah, they won't. They probably won't. They probably won't ratify until like the first of next year, or maybe February. But yeah, so you, can, you can drive there and get some. They let you. I would imagine that anyone who's old enough, it's in the state, can buy it. You, you but you have to have a license get. there. I mean, how can you for recreational? No, just have a driver's license. You just got to be old enough to buy it. Oh, but you can come from another state and do it. I guess it don't matter. I could drive into D.C. and buy it if I wanted to, but D.C. is a little too far. And yeah. I ain't driving down to D.C. and then coming back with with that kind of stuff across two two different state lines. You get in big, big trouble. Drive to Maryland? <laughs> it's 10 minutes away. I mean, it's literally 10 minutes down the road that way. What are you eating, a graham cracker? A Heath bar? What Yummy. are you drinking, a tab too? English toffee, man. <laughs> I haven't seen a Heath bar in, since the 80s. I got a case of them up in my fridge upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get them at? Sam's Club? Amazon. <laughs> oh, okay. Mailed them directly to my front door. <laughs> nice. The Heath bar. You like Tab? <laughs> no. <laughs> tab is awful. Do they even make Tab anymore? I think they do still, yeah. I've never seen it. I remember drank it. It was weird. It tastes like Band-Aids. It was, it was nasty. I, I, I tried reason, it once and never drank it again. some reason, Pizza Hut tastes like Band-Aids. I don't know why. It's like a weird taste. It's different. It's not right. It's like Band-Aids. I don't know how Band-Aids taste, so I'm going to be able to make that. Bernard but. said an email that he was howling at the moon. Who did? Bernard. I told him how, because he's going dancing. He says, I'm howling at the moon. Oh, might no. A, might be a werewolf. Tab was discontinued in 2020. So you can't buy Tab anymore. No. 
I guess COVID killed that one too. <laughs> Just the bottle looks weird. Yeah. It's like it'd be laced with LSD or something. If it was, maybe it wouldn't have gotten discontinued. <laughs> That's true. Fruit flavor, root beer and ginger ale, color caramel. My dad worked for Coca-Cola. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I used to have some little weird glass bottle from Coca-Cola with the original formula in it. I don't know where it is. I don't have it anymore. The original formula had cocaine in it. That's what actual- I heard. Advertised it as relieving headaches. How the hell did they get away from having cocaine in a Coke for that long? Because it wasn't illegal back, in the, back in the day. But when did they get, take it out? Like 1930, 33, something like that. Oh, 1930s, wow. God, you imagine drinking a Coke? <laughs> it has cocaine yeah. in it. And yeah, you get kind of high. It would probably make your lips numb, too, I would imagine. Yeah. All right, how much did they put in it? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it, they're still even today. They're the number one, um, pr- uh, not producer, but they're the number one um, um, importer of pharmaceutical cocaine. So what they do is they they import the coca leaves from South America. They use it in the process of making the Coca-Cola formula. Then at some point they take the cocaine out, the, you know, the negative effects of the cocaine out of the soda. What? And then they sell the, by- the byproduct of the coca leaves back to the pharmaceutical companies to make Novocaine and Lidocaine and all the other kind of pain medicines. That's how they make Coke. Well, they still still use cocaine, but take the cocaine out? Allegedly. That's weird, man. What about, what the hell's in Mountain Dew? Methamphetamine? <laughs> uh, either that or be uh, maybe like Rocky Mountain Oysters. Rocky Mountain Oysters? Yeah. You don't know what those are? Oh. Like a- These are deep fried ram's testicles. Oh, <laughs> deep, deep fried ram testicles. Yeah, yuck. Mountain Dew was invented by 1940 by Tennessee beverage bottlers Barney and Allie Hartman. Huh. So it used to be moonshine. I'm kidding. No, it was probably was some sort of process what they used to make it. And it was kind of shine like. <laughs> yeah. Some Mountain Dews. 1940 in Tennessee in a big old barrel. The dew. Do to do. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't know that. It seems like it's got more caffeine in it than most drinks, sort of. It usually Alcohol. does, yeah. They don't ever really say in soft drinks how much caffeine is in it. They just put it in it, don't they? Yeah, on the back. Uh, let's see. Mountain Dew Zero Sugar has the most of any sodas. Uh, caffeine. It has 5.7 milligrams of caffeine per ounce, so a 12-ounce can contains about 68.4 milligrams. They don't say wow. that on a bottle. They don't say no, that. they don't. They don't say they they give you a one the um whatever the one dosage is, but most bottles have two. Coffee itself has 11.9 milligrams. Caffeine. I don't know where you're getting these weird charts. Coke has 32 milligrams and 42 milligrams. Coke and Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mountain Dew is like 54.8. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. 54, 
per serving of caffeine, and Coke has mm -hmm. 34 milligrams yep. of caffeine. Yep, I'm looking at that same one. Yeah, 33.9 for Coca-Cola, 54.8 for Mountain Dew. That's the regular Mountain Dew, not that zero Coffee stuff. Has how much? Coffee has 11.9 milligrams per, per per ounce. I would think it had more than that in it. I would think the coffee would have more caffeine, and it's not. That's 11.9 per ounce for coffee, so it does have more. Yeah, per ounce. 11.9 per ounce. So you figure an, an eight ounce cup, you're looking at 88.9 milligrams of caffeine. That is a lot. How much again? If you, well, it's it's uh, eight ounces for a cup and 11.9 per ounce. So eight times 11 is 88. Okay, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Caffeine. It's hard to quit caffeine, that's for sure. I I don't have any problems with it, usually. I mean, I, I drink it from time to time, but I don't always need it. There are times when I'd like to get to it, and I can't, but I don't go crazy for it. They're making a Dune prequel show on, I think, HBO, but the guy that's in Vikings is going to be in it. He was in that movie, I mean, that show, Raised by Wolves, which is really good. They canceled it like an a-hole. That was a weird show, but they got rid of it after two seasons on HBO. But now they're doing a Dune, D-U-N-E, The Sisterhood. Saying he's the leading actor in it. Wow, so they're going to do the Bene Gesserit Sisterhood, how they came to power? I guess so. But, uh... The Sisterhood follows the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces and threaten the future of mankind. They combat forces that threaten the future of mankind. The Harkonnens are bad, though, I thought. Harkonnens are bad people, yeah. They're, they're not... Uh... So why are they fighting people that threaten mankind? That's what the whole show's about. Sisterhood follows the Harkonnen sisters as they combat forces that threaten the future of humankind. And they established a fabled sect known as the Bean Ben Gesserit. Benny Gesserit, yeah. Yeah. But uh that's hmm. uh they're doing it. Oh, Shirley Henderson's in it. She she played the uh, the, the uh, ghost Myrtle the Turtle or whatever in the um Harry Potter series. Yeah, and Travis Fimmel. Shirley Henderson, she played the ghost um, in the ladies' bathroom, uh, Myrtle. Myrtle the Turtle and Harry Potter? I just called her Myrtle the Turtle. That's not her actual name. She, she was killed by um bad guy in the series. Found in the bathroom. So she haunts the bathroom, the ladies' bathroom. Oh, and Harry Potter? Yeah. Weird. I haven't seen all those. I don't really care for them that much, but... Okay, I guess but I haven't really. I'm not seen a couple of them, but I didn't. I never caught the Harry Potter craze. They're actually pretty good. I enjoyed them. I haven't read the books yet. Yeah, I haven't read them either. But uh, well, we're at the tail end here. We survived. A good guess, Bernard. Meaningful coincidences. Yale psychiatrist. But I uh, hope everybody has a good weekend. And we'll see you next Friday. Everybody have a good one. Thanks, Jay. Thanks.
Bernard. Thanks. Jojo. Raging Cajun. Everybody have a good night. Good night, everybody. <laughs> good night.